Hey guys, I'm Robert E. Woods III. So I created the Night's Tale podcast in order to share the stories of some people that have some incredible mentalities. And that mentality tends to show up in their results. So today I'm really excited to share a conversation I had with someone I really look up to and respect on a personal level. His commitment to excellence and success at a high level is something that speaks volumes. One of the coolest things about him is that he makes it look so easy. So I'm really excited to share this interview that I had with former U.S. Army Black Hawk pilot Frank Van Buren. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Night's Tale podcast. I'm your host, Robert E. Woods III. Today's guest is an anomaly. So Frank Van Buren served as a U.S. Army Black Hawk pilot. After that, he earned an MBA from UNC eventually became an investment banker. Now he serves as a director of high-yield sales and trading at the world-renowned bank Wells Fargo. Frank's will to provide an impact on various communities has led him to a phenomenal speaking career around the country. And in addition to that, he wrote a book that describes his vivid memories of his highs and lows of being a helicopter pilot titled Lessons from the Cockpit. Please join me in welcoming Frank Van Buren. Frank, how are you? I'm doing fine, Robert. It's great to be on your show, and it's a, it's a fantastic honor. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Well, thanks for being here. So, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I invited you on the show was because I think we have a lot in common in terms of, you know, having a close connection to Washington, D.C., having both parents that served in the U.S. Armed Forces, and you were the youngest in a big family, just like me. So, and you got a lot, you, you had, uh, you got to travel a lot as a child. So um, in your book, we get to learn a lot about your origin story, but how would you describe your upbringing and the way that you were able to foster that passion for excellence in everything you do? Well, I would say it was a fantastic upbringing. And as I get older, I recognize uh, the value that's uh, some of the, uh, uh, the, the details of my childhood uh, really offer, especially as a parent now, I look back and I say, I had a fantastic upbringing. Most of it was on a U.S. military installation. Uh, a lot of it was on a U.S. military installation in Germany, nine out of the first 13 years of my life. Hmm. And it was a community that was uh, very much one. Uh, we all had a sense of purpose, uh, which is common in veterans and military families. Uh, we had a sense that we were uh, involved in something that was larger than our individual interests. Uh, we had a lot of cohesiveness and camaraderie, and I think that's consistent with many military communities that you had. Uh, it was one that a childhood that involved uh, children and friends from all walks of life, uh, crossing all of the normal barriers that we have in society, uh, whether it was race, religion, uh, gender, etc. Uh, we all seem to be linked together by the common purpose that we were overseas as Americans and we were defending our country. Uh, I look back on those days with amazing memories. It was very simple uh, existence. You know, we played sports on the military base, uh, whether it was football, baseball, basketball. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we were fortunate because we were able to adventure out with our families and learn about the vast culture of Europe. So, you know, if you think about Europe, it's, it's a, you know, a collection of amazing cultures that are so geographically close. If you think about Europe as compared to the United States and, you know, you cross borders quickly and the cultures are vastly different. So I look back and I feel really good about it. 
uh, and I think it was uh, it was one that allowed me to develop this skill of connecting with others, especially people that come from different walks of life uh, than me. Um, I, I'm always looking for a common bond or a common bridge between people, and I think that came from my uh, childhood, where we moved quite a bit uh, during those. You know, a lot of it was on that U.S. military installation in Germany, but we did go back and forth uh, to the D.C. area a couple of times, and I learned how to friends and connect with people in, in a, a very quick manner. So recently, recently you started the your your really cool series, which is called "What I Knew at What I Wish I Knew at 22 That I Didn't Learn in School." Can you talk a little bit about why you started that? And like, was there an aha moment that made you start it or? Yeah, um, you know, the whole journey started and I'm gonna go back a little bit. I, I hope you uh, allow me to indulge a bit. Uh, of course. December 1st, I decided that, uh, and there, there was an event, a friend of mine, uh, Dwayne Brown, who was 51 years old, passed away from a massive cardiac arrest. It was obviously a big surprise to many people. And I hadn't even talked to him for a long time but I considered him a close friend. And that got me thinking about uh, how I was living my life. And the, the sense of urgency that you had in the military, I had lost that somewhere along the way in corporate America. Uh, I still obviously had a sense of urgency of getting work done, but I didn't have the same sense of energy and, and enthusiasm to accomplish goals outside of my normal job. And one of the things that I always wanted to do is I always wanted to start a personal development business, primarily a speaking business. So on January 1st, um, with this event that took place, it made me think about things and do a lot of introspection. I started this speaking business, and initially, Robert, the goal was to, you know, do a lot of uh, speeches in person. And within a short period of time, as I was talking to professional speakers, they all asked me if I had a book, and I said, "No, I don't have." A book. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know I was going to be doing this, uh, you know, thirty days ago. But I had written a lot of blogs on a, on a little self-blog site that I had about my stories in the military, uh, learning how to fly a helicopter, uh, missions that I was part of, uh, you know, the relationships that I built. And I knew I could put together a series of short stories and put a takeaway lesson behind all of them. And I knew the book would be entertaining because it is a collection of very unique experiences that most people have. As you know, uh, you know most people don't have the military experience. I think 1% of our population actually serve, although we have a tremendous amount of support from our, our society behind the military, there are very few that actually serve. So I decided to write this book. And when I wrote the book, I wrote it in the context that the, the person that did not serve in the military would find value in this book. In other words, they would be able to digest it. I didn't write it, want to write it in a way where it was just about military people reading this. I wanted to be digestible to everyone including my kids so when I wrote the book and delivered it I noticed that uh, the younger generation uh, you know 18 to 22 they enjoyed the book but they weren't as engaged in reading the book because uh, there's a lot of things going on in the mind of the millennial many very very positive things and they have a very short attention span when it comes to diverting their attention to something that's not <laughs> direct on task. And so I decided there had to be a better way um, to utilize social media to try to impact lives in a positive way, which is my ultimate goal. I want to use my unique life experiences to positively affect others. So I decided I would try to put together this, these one-minute videos 
And the premise would be, you know, if I was 22 starting all over again, based on, you know, my 52 years on the planet, what would I want to know? And what may be of value to someone would be digestible in a minute, but could positively affect their life. And you think about it, there are 1,440 minutes in a day. And, you know, I was asking people to invest one in watching these videos. So as I started it, I realized I needed a personal challenge. So I decided to challenge myself to do 365 days in a row. I'm on, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm on day 96 now. And it, it is a wonderful experience because it really forces me and gives me clarity of developing original content based on experiences that I've been through or experiences of talking with someone like you that's been through a tremendous amount in, in ramping uh, your uh, goals up. And so it, 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 just, it helps me to develop really good original content over a 365-day period. I now have them on YouTube. People can, and I'm starting to categorize it. People can access those, obviously, everything for free. And because of those videos, that led into a, you know, a TV interview. And then, you know, the TV interview went well. And now, uh, you know, WCNC, a local channel, has invited me back next month. So, you know, one thing feeds on another. And a big lesson that, that um, I share with a lot of folks when I talk to them is oftentimes you just need to get started on something you really care about. And the momentum, the inertia opens up doors that you may not have even been thinking about. The perfect example is when I decided, decided to start the speaking business, I had no idea that within 29 days I'd be a published author. And published book, I had no idea that I would be a you know a a, a social media daily poster, uh, and then you know from and so I see more and more opportunities as I commit myself to delivering on my overall mission, which is positively affect lives based on my unique life experience, impact lives. Wow! Yeah. And that's that's amazing. And I mean, I, I really applaud you on that consistency. I know people are always saying, how do you do this? You know, you have a full time job. You're creating original content every single day. I mean, is it exhausting? What What's your process for creating such impactful content on such a regular basis? Actually, it, it's it's invigorating, not exhausting. Okay. You know, it, 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 it gives me a sense of purpose because I see an opportunity that is manageable within my normal daily schedule. I think, you know, on the bank, you know, in the bank, I work on the trading floor. You know, I'm here at least 10 hours a day. I have three kids, so, and a family, so, and, you know, in a one hour commute each way. So the time is short, but I can, you know, I can work things in that are extremely important, and this is. So it forces me to uh, use my time well, and, uh, the, the way I developed the content, I want it to be original, natural content. In other words, I don't want to necessarily read someone's article and then try to use that content. I want to have a conversation with a guy like you and say, okay, when I was talking to, to Robert, what came out in that conversation that may be valuable to someone uh, in the younger generation? And oftentimes, if we just focus our mind when we're engaging others in discussion, their very experiences create the content. And you reflect, I reflect what you have told me with some of my experiences. And then I might think of a, you know, a personal story, uh, whether it was flying helicopters or transitioning from the military or working on a trading floor. 
that's uh, applicable. So it, it's actually invigorating. It does require work, but it's good work. And uh, you know, it's something that I eventually want to do full time. And that's, that's why I'm working so hard for this. That's amazing. So um, at what point do you think you'll start doing that full time? <laughs> well, right now, the goal is to develop a lot of goals. So a couple of goals. One, I want to give 30 speeches this year. I think I'm on 21 or 22. I wanted to do a daily post for 365 days. You know, I want, you know, I've done uh, some podcasts and this one's a great one that I'm doing. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so I, I, you know, I had a goal on podcasts, uh, maybe some seminars. And I want to do all this initially to create uh, reps because we got to put in the work, right? And I think that's one of the big lessons that I've learned is you can't be good at something if you're not willing to put in the work and the reps. And it's naive when people assume that, hey, I see Robert's doing that. I can just turn on the computer and start to do that. Well, you have to put in the work, right? And right. work takes time, but it pays off if you can be consistent and disciplined over time. So this first year, I want to put in the work. I want to get better. Uh, when the time is right for me to do this full time, you know, I don't know when that will be, but I, I do know that at, at whatever point it happens, uh, you know, I, I'll be happy to move forward with 100%. Right. I really um, take the, your thought process around goal setting because not only do you set the goal, you just kind of knock it out of the park. Um, why Why is that? Do, do your kids have that as well? <laughs> I don't think that's an innate characteristic. I think the key to setting and achieving goals first is to spend a lot of time with introspect and thinking about yourself. And I always like to say, if you could learn one thing, it would be to really think about your life and to determine what are the dominant attributes that have emerged in whatever endeavor you were involved in, whether it was youth sports or the military or your corporate job or your, your community volunteering. There are always a few attributes that are consistent across a person's life. And if you can identify those, whether they're empathy, maybe you're someone that's deeply intellectual or analytical, maybe you're someone that is always uh, the hardest worker, or you're mm -hmm. physically gifted athletically, let's say, but we all have certain attributes. And the key to achieving goals is to identify those attributes and then ask yourself, where in society are they truly valued as mm -hmm. the number one thing they're looking for? So for example, let's say I had an attribute. And they don't always have to be positive attributes. An attribute could be, I'm extremely demanding. That's a dominant attribute. Uh, right. Let's say someone, since the time they were little, and they probably annoyed quite a few people, including their brother, <laughs> let's say they always had to have things done right when they were highly annoyed. They're almost a perfectionist. Well, obviously, that's not good for a dinner party, and it's not good for someone you want to spend the weekend with in a social environment. But it might be a fantastic attribute for a surgeon or someone that has to dig deep in research or someone that needs to have the absolute desire to get to the right answer. And so if you knew that about yourself, instead of seeing that as a, a negative thing, you would say, well, where in society are they really looking for someone that has this attribute? And if you identify that and then you start to emulate those that are successful there. So the next state, introspection, then emulation is next, right? Figure out who's doing it and then right. try to talk to them and figure out, 
you know, any, any of their belief systems, because we have to emulate successful people. You do it your own way creatively, but you have to understand what belief systems exist. And when you do that, and then you set definite goals along the way, you say to yourself, okay, in three years, I want to be here. So what do I have to do over the next year? And what do I have to do over the next month? And then what am I doing tomorrow to move the ball forward? And, you know, small habits over time lead to big outcomes. Now, last thing I'll say about goals, people get sometimes too caught up in uh, precisely achieving exactly each one of their goals, right? right? And you miss the forest through the trees, you forget that it is the journey, the process that opens up opportunities, that opens up your horizons, makes you a better human being. So you have to enjoy the process. And if you're so relentlessly focused just on the goals, then sometimes you miss the great things that are happening in your life because you're just focused on the metric that you set. So it's a balance, right? You set goals, but you also enjoy the process because many times the goal you set is not the one that ultimately you're going to achieve, but the one you achieve is better than you actually thought because <laughs> right. you're more consistent with the value that you can add. Right, and it seems like that success is created by the serendipity that's also created by the action. So it's kind of like a perfect storm after you just start getting, you know, just start moving. Yeah, I mean, you know, many times, Robert, I, I, I will talk to a, a young person out of college and mm -hmm. they're extremely bright, but they're just not focused. They don't know what they want to do. And I'll say, you know, in the absence of doing what you want to do, then the best thing to do might be to change your environment and do something. For example, go on a trip and volunteer to be a, a, you know, a, a social worker uh, or, or go and teach English abroad. Because oftentimes that wow. energy, inertia, that movement, right, that change will trigger a thought. So let's say you go and you study you know, or you, you teach English in, in a foreign country. And through that, you start to create associations and you meet people, and they sense in you that you're someone that wants to do something with your life. And it's oftentimes those moments where the enabler appears and opens a door that really is good for you, but it never opens if you're sitting at home agonizing over what you should do. Yeah. The, the, way, I'll, the way I'll summarize this point is, um, it is through action that your life changes, but the action only can occur if you make a decision. And the decision to act can only occur if you focus on your thoughts and your thoughts have to be positive. So the name of the game is, what are you putting in your mind every day? And I, I did a, a quick 20, you know, wish I knew at 22 video where I said, you know, it's amazing that if someone showed up on my, let's say your yard, Robert, and they had a trash truck full of stinky trash and they dug that in your yard. Well, there would be an altercation. You wouldn't let someone <laughs> dump it. But yet, on a day-to-day -day basis, we're comfortable with people dumping negativity and things in our mind that we don't want there. So we've got to protect our mind because if the thoughts are good, if we're inputting good things like this podcast uh, and other things that many, many positive people are doing, and you guard your mind and only allow positive things to be seeds to be planted, well, then you'll, you'll have the right thought, which will lead to decision, which will lead to action, which leads to outcome. That's the key. Wow. Right. I mean, that's perfect. I mean, so you talk a lot about 
positivity. And every time I see you on Instagram, I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, <laughs> he is smiling. You know, every single day he is smiling. So I know not every day is always so positive, right? And it's really hard to get a person like you rattled. And I, I know you, there's a situation in the book that you described um, was really, you know, it was it was really insightful for me. Um, can you talk about the dark days, like times that you were in your yeah. lowest point? How do you manage your state? Well, okay. So first and foremost, I want to point out that I fundamentally believe as part of my belief system that the greatest moments of learning in your life come at the peak moments of adversity and trial. So I do want to throw that out because once you accept that your growth occurs during struggle and failure and adversity, well, when those moments happen, instead of freaking out, you actually start to look for the positive. And so you say to yourself, okay, we lost this game, football game. Our team didn't play well. We feel really bad. We're, we're not, we got knocked out. But what do we learn from it? How do we grow? If I went and asked you, you know, the greatest lessons of your life, they wouldn't come from times where everything went well. So one of my belief systems is embrace adversity because adversity is where you really, really grow. And so once you get that, then you stop having the fear of failure, right? And fear of failure kills the dream killer, right? It's killed more talented dreamers than any enemy on this planet. It's the mental fear of failure. And I know I mentioned this in books, so you heard this before, but what I like to do to manage fear of failure, because everyone, you know, if, if you ask me, do I have a fear of failure? My reactionary effort on this camera is to say, no, I don't want to feel the fear of failure. But the nuanced, true answer is, of course I fear failure, but I have a greater fear, and that is of regret, regret of not trying to reach my potential. And so this concept of comparative fear, trying to create a fear that's greater than failure, in my case, it's regret or shame of not trying, being on my deathbed and saying, I wish I would have tried to write a book. I wish I would have tried to be a speaker. You would say, I wish I would have tried to do that podcast. That's greater than failure. And so that's how I manage the fear of failure. And when I have those moments where I'm really down, I have to go back to my fundamental belief system, which I learned from reading about success people. When I read about Winston Churchill during World War II, they were going through the bombing campaign of the Nazi Luftwaffe, and the city was on the verge of ruins. I wanted to know, how was it that Winston Churchill went out and spoke to his people with the finest moment speech, where he said, you know, we'll fight for the orange groves, we'll fight for the air, we'll fight for the sea, we'll never surrender. It's because... He knew, and I know now from learning from him, that sometimes those moments are your greatest moments, your finest hour. And once you embrace that, if someone can get that concept, you stop worrying about failure. You just don't because you say, if I fail, it's going to be my finest moment because I'm going to come back from it. I'll tell you a quick story. My daughter is a classical ballet a performer. Uh, she's about to start college. and Wow. To one of her recent recitals, and these are high-level uh, young dancers that put on fantastic shows. And one of her friends, in the middle of a solo, and this is a very good dancer, she slipped and fell flat on her face in front of the entire uh, audience. It was a 
audit, college auditorium full of uh, people. Mm-hmm. And I saw her get back up and she kept it together. She danced through it and she went in the back and I found out later she was a mess in the back. And I couldn't wait until the show was over so I could go talk to her. And I went to the back and I said, I want you to know that this moment can go either way for you. You can either see this as the moment that you got back up, you finished strong, and they gave you almost a standing ovation because they knew the tenacity that must have been required to overcome that that moment of embarrassment. And I said, or you can think of this moment and always remember the fall, not remember that you got back up, and forever you will be hesitant to go out and get in front of people and give it your best. And I said, I want you to take this moment and see it as your finest moment. You got back up and you did. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where you know, man, this could go either way, right? And, and <laughs> that's the interesting thing, Robert. It goes either way. Like, if you have a terrible moment in your life, I'm, I'm not uh, going to s- just say that it's always going to be a finest moment. It's how you view that moment. Right. And so if we, if we embrace the concept that adversity is our greatest learning opportunity, then we will get back up. We will fight on because we know that we're going to get better from it, even though it's a tough moment. Um, and then uh, the other thing I'll say is, you know, when you have those darkest moments, just know that you're not the only person that ever had a dark moment. That's where history is important, right? I remember reading about Frederick Douglass uh, and, and everything he went through trying to raise himself up from slavery to become one of the leading abolitionists and one of the leaders in American society. And I, every time I read that story, I'm like, none of, none of us uh, in America right now have anything to talk about because you, know, you have to understand historical context and then you won't you know, sit in the corner and, and commiserate over something that is, uh, is, that is surmountable, that you can surmount. Uh, you'll right. just get up and drive on. You know, that the people, the British people did it in World War II, they carried on. And, what we need to do we need to understand history and those are the kind of things that keep me getting back up because i had plenty of mistakes and you read about them in the book i had plenty of down moments and i think when you see me i look happy because i'm doing something i love right i would you know this is what i love to do and i think when you're not doing something that you love to do uh then you have many more moments of not being happy and I don't even really like to say happy, probably fulfilled, right? Okay. And people sense when you're doing something that matters to you, that makes you have a, a sense of purpose and, and feel meaningful. Mm. That's powerful. So, you know, before we let you go, um, you know, do you have any power? Well, first of all, I just want to say to the listeners that if you ever follow, or you, you should follow Frank on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that. Um, Thank you. Build- you built such an amazing life for yourself. You know, you have the 30 plus acre uh, um, uh, farm, you have the dogs, you have the beautiful family. Um, and I have a feeling that these were goals at one point. Um, and a lot of people have uh, thoughts of, you know, obtaining the kind of life that you have set up for yourself right now. Are there any parting words that you would like to say to some? young person or older person that's getting out of the military or going through some transition in their life, what would you say to them about um, taking that leap of faith? Well, I would say 
one, it's extremely doable. Um, I can tell you that uh, I, when I left the military, I had no idea that one day I would live on a 30-acre farm. I had no idea I would spend 21 years in finance, right? I did know some broad brush things, and that is, that's why it's important to set your overarching vision. I knew I wanted to be impactful in society. I knew I wanted to be um, uh, able to uh, support myself, so financially right. secure. You know, I knew I wanted to use public speaking as a platform to impact others' lives. You know, so I had an overarching view of what I, who I wanted to become, what I wanted out of life. But I didn't know the details, right? right. And that's key. Like, set goals. I mean, you wouldn't try to climb, you know, summit Mount Everest without figuring out each successive base camp to get <laughs> to the top. But you have to understand that as you're climbing Everest, some stuff's going to happen, and you might have to take a different route. You might have to you know, batten down the hatches for a day as the storm goes by. You might right. get blown down the mountain and then you got to come back. You might have to call for some support. In other words, if anyone thinks it's a linear, straight path to, you know, getting to your goals, that's a bit naive. What you need right. to do, no matter what the winds are, always continue to set your sail. Know ultimately what you want out of life and then figure out how to get there and don't get caught up in so many of the granular details without, while losing sight of what you're trying to do. For example, if I said, you know, what do you want out of life? You should be able to articulate because if you can't, if you, if you can't be able to say, I want adventure, I want family, I want secure, whatever it is, then there's no way you can ever make decisions, right? Because every job decision doesn't come down to how much money you make, or what your title is, or where your office location. It's not about what you get, it's about who you become. That's the key. And so you have to say to yourself, who do I want to become? What kind of person? And then does this job move me towards that? Does this relationship move me towards that? Does this investment move me towards it? If not, don't do it. If so, you're moving towards, you're moving up that base camp and you're to the top of the mountain. The powerful words. Um, thank you very much, Frank, for, for all of your, your wisdom that you bestowed upon us. And on a regular basis, you can follow Frank. Uh, it's Frank, it's Van Buren Frank uh, on Instagram, right? Yep. Van Buren and, and Frank. Frank. Yeah. So, one more time. Uh, you said it right. Van Buren Frank. Excuse me if you're interrupting. Oh, no, no problem. Um, and on LinkedIn at Frank Van Buren. Um, That's right. And then uh, I upload all of the, the videos onto a YouTube channel. If you just type in Frank Van Buren on YouTube, uh, you'll see my channel. I think there are 96 videos now. Um, we're wow. moving 365. Looking forward to that 100 video mark at four days away. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's got me going in the right direction. My objective is to impact others' lives in a positive way. That means helping people. And I, I will say this, you know, if you want to accomplish your own goals, you want to do well in life, figure out how you can help people. If you can help more people achieve their goals, you'll, you'll achieve your goals. Wow. Thanks a lot, Frank. Well, thank you for your time. Um, and everyone, thank you for listening to the Night's Tale podcast. Thank you. It's been an honor.